2020 marks the 50th birthday of Griffin Theatre Company's home, the Stables Theatre. I'm Angela Caterns. Join us as we celebrate the anniversary in this special series of podcasts where we'll hear about the theatre's history and talk to some of the country's most celebrated artists. Somebody cleaned him up. I mean, fuck, why do we let him get away with it? I don't know. Fuck, why do we? He must be fucking mad. I mean, here we are. Three brothers, best mates. We've been through everything together. And look at us. We're standing around like stunned fucking mullets. Not able to do nothing. Not able to go nowhere. There's no more grog. Nothing. And all because of them. Well, fuck them! Fuck you, you slut! I'll be thinking of ya! I mean, the things I'll be thinking you wouldn't want to fucking know about! Hey! You too, you stupid family, mole! Hope it comes out the wrong way, fucking kills you! Let's just let him get in our way, eh? One more stupid bitch. Come interfering in our lives. Show up somewhere she shouldn't. She'll find out you don't mess with the boys no more. Boys was first staged at the Stables Theatre in 1991. Written by Gordon Graham, it was revived in 2012 and went on to become a classic of the Australian stage and screen, winning an Augie and four AFI awards. Alex Galliazzi was the director of the first production of The Boys. Alex, how did you end up with that gig and that play? Thanks, Angela. That's a very interesting and good question. Thinking back 28 years now, I'll start back when I studied acting with David Wenham at the PN. We both had graduated uh, in 1986 from the PN. And I dabbled in the acting thing, but I'd ended up going to those very famous Griffin Monday night meetings that were corralled by Penny Cook, which was all about generating new Australian work and supporting the Stables Theatre. And they were very, very dynamic meetings. At the time that I'd come to the Griffin, it was actually in the black. So it wasn't really operating, uh, uh, functioning as a theatre. So it was this interim period where nothing was really happening. But I'd heard that in their office in Craig End Street, there were uh, shelves of unsolicited scripts just waiting to be read. And I decided that this was an extremely interesting opportunity and got permission to go to the office and just sit there and read play after play after play. And in answer to your first question, how did I come about this script? It was one that I pulled off the shelf. And what I was instigating is Saturday morning readings, which when I think back in my youthful energy, was doing a reading of a play on a Saturday morning with the playwright and a group of actors. And then by one o'clock on that same day, we would have a public reading of the script. Mm-hmm. And these were called the Griffin, Griffin Network play readings. So that's how I found the script. And did the script kind of stand out to you? 
It was incredibly powerful, yes. The script leapt off the shelf, really. Uh, the language was visceral. It was obviously dangerous writing. And I just felt that it needed to be heard. And I had no preconception. I didn't know any history about the play. The playwright, I was totally innocent in, in approaching it. Mm-hmm. And then I took over Griffin's D Week, which was their week of new readings. And I did a first read of it in 1989 at the Griffin D Week, which was already quite controversial. The ABC uh, got wind of it and they came and filmed a little bit of it. Actor Jeanette Cronin remembers being at the National Playwrights Conference when the play was first read. Was it read in front of an audience, Jeanette? Do you remember? Yeah, the, the play, I think it was the 1988 Playwrights Conference, I do believe. <laughs> um, and it was read in front of an audience. It was read in the Parade Theatre. And it was a pretty packed house from memory. And it was fairly explosive, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Do you remember the audience reaction? Yeah, yeah, it was huge. Um, it was very much appreciated, but it was also, you could feel the, the split in the audience. And I remember one person got up and actually did his nut and started, you know, furiously saying that, that these people don't talk like this and how dare you do that. And it was kind of the beginnings of that appropriation idea, I think. And... Um, he was very angry that, that these people could articulate the way that they did. But there was a little boy in the audience as well and I think this boy had, you know, seen a few things he shouldn't in life and had been homeless at one point and he was there with an advocate or someone, I think, and he was about, from memory, 11 or 12 and he stood up and he said, well, I'm from there and I can articulate my thoughts and I think what these people are saying is, you know, fair enough. So. Wow. Yeah. Robert Connolly was the stage manager and lighting manager for the original production of The Boys. Robert, do you remember Alex asking you to help stage this play? I do. It was um, a kind of delightful surprise. I, I can't even recall how Alex came across me, but I would just finish university and I was trying to work out how to make a career in this industry that I loved. And I'd been a big follower of what the Griffin Theatre had been doing and seen many productions there and their championing of new Australian work was quite extraordinary and so I um, you know got this call from Alex and he was looking for someone to be a stage manager and come on a journey with him and we got on incredibly well and he gave me the play to read which was extraordinary really and I'd studied Australian theatre at uni and I'd read a lot of the kind of more classic Australian texts and I could see that there was kind of a fork in the road really for the for the way Australian theatre was going to go and here was this really provocative work, you know, it was really going to make a kind of massive leap forward for how we told stories and what we told stories about. So it was amazing, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get that call from Alex. And so, Alex, what was it that attracted you to the script? Can you give us a, a short description of what the play was about? Sure. When I think about the play, the thematic is mainly family. It's divided into eight scenes, which is really interesting. It's basically about the older son who comes out of prison. All of the scenes have the mother and the boy's three girlfriends in them, but then four scenes just have the women. So it's really about these relationships of these three brothers with their mother and these boys' relationship with their girlfriends and each other. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously, it's what we would say is, dare I say it, a Westy, you know, when you're talking about Sydney, a Westy kind of demographic. It's hard language, but also there's a real through line of humour in it. So it is actually a play about the women, the mother and the girlfriends, dealing with what their sons and boyfriends have done, which is a, a horrific act. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing about the end is that the youngest girlfriend has a child and what we hope or what we give the audience is that this girl is going to make a difference with her her son, that she's going to take this boy and not repeat the male violence mm-hmm. with bringing up this boy, new child. So why did you want um, Robert Connolly on board for this? Uh, do you remember meeting him? All I can remember about Robert is he he wrote a really cool Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Robert? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I remember uh, coming off that bike on Allison Road and deciding never to ride it again. So <laughs> near-death experience driven by that bike. Right. But, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I used that to get around and get to the Stables Theatre every night. <laughs> and I remember Robert just had this very, very gentle quality which I think was very important with this very hard, violent language script. So someone was gentle, who was easy to work with. And also it was we were on a very strict kind of budget situation. So Robert was this all-rounder personality that, you know, when you said, you know, he's stage managing, he did the lighting design. He also, I'm sure he oversaw the budget. And I think all those skills were just so imperative to making this piece work. Mm. Where did the money come from for the first production of The Boys? Do you remember? These were called Griffin Griffin Co-ops and we were given a certain amount of money to put the show on and once we covered the money that it cost to put the show on for Griffin, we split the rest of the door takings. But Robert, you can correct me if I'm wrong in that. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, there was... I think four productions a year that the Griffin had got enough money together to pay for the actual production of, but there wasn't a wage structure at that point, so it literally was a case. I I remember it was the actors, I think, you, Alex, me, and maybe the production designer, I can't remember, used to just cut the door takings uh, every week. And thankfully it was a a massive success and we were able to make a, a modest but a reasonable wage. Um, but it was a cooperative production that the you know the theatre company. When you think of the great success of the company and how it's going today, and you know this amazing anniversary of its time, you you know you go back to a period where I think it probably was um, keeping itself afloat by depending on the goodwill of a lot of people like you, Alex, and the actors and people who were willing to 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 roll the dice and risk uh, whether people turned up every night or not um, was whether you got paid or not. Mm. Jeanette, so which iterations of the play were you involved in? Well, I was involved in the first reading at the Playwrights Conference uh, in which I played Michelle and then I was involved in the film in which I played Jackie and then I did the revival in which I played um, the mother, Sandra. And so do you remember the audience reaction to the play when it was staged? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the the revival was only in 2012, Mm. I think, and it again, was in The Griffin, and it had a a great set. It was actually in the backyard, and they had these couches and things in the front rows of the theatre, so some people were literally sitting 
in, on the stage on the, on the almost. And I remember that mum had an armchair in the corner, in the very corner, and I remember people being, you know, centimetres from my face <laughs> as I was sitting there. So they were they were deeply involved in all the sex and violence and everything that happened because it was kind of happening on top of them. Mm. And there was one great moment where Brett threw a can of beer on the back fence and every night he threw this full can of beer and it just smacking and exploding on this thing and God bless him, he, he hit the spot every night and and the stage manager had, had all these rows of beers every night which she had to fill with water with a special way of doing it, like piercing the can and, and they were all lined up every night, these cans of VB. Mm. Yeah. So it was very, you know, immediate. Yes. yes. And so it was obviously well received the first time around. Yes, it was, Alex? An, it was an incredible reaction. Uh, just a, um, another little story about the beer. <laughs> In our production, they drank real beer during the show, which was kind of interesting <laughs> and fueling. Uh, the reaction was quite incredible. I remember there were many, many lines up outside the, in the street mm. to get a ticket. I also remember walking into the foyer and David Wenham saying, have you see, seen the, the Bob Evans review from the Sydney Morning Herald, which I hadn't. And that kind of, well, I think he said something at the end, this is mesmerising, it, it's a work that has to be seen. And from that, that moment on, it kind of was a, a roller coaster, really. So he ended up having a role in it, Wenham. David, yeah. First time round. Correct. Yeah. And so Bob... What was happening elsewhere in Australian theatres at the time that the, the boys was staged? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I kind of followed the trajectory of these amazing uh, playwrights that had put Australia on the stage for the first time and that, that had laid the foundations for something like that. And, you know, people like David Williamson and Jack Hibbert and John Romrell and these playwrights. And then along had come another generation, which I had become really interested in when I was at uni, which was, you know, Louis Naurer and Stephen Sewell. And, and their view was, well, now that Australian stories have been put on stage, we can now tell stories of the world. And interestingly, both of their first plays were set in Russia and, and they, were, they were pushing, can we be more international? But I, I'd grown up in the foot of the Blue Mountains near Penrith and very aware of Western Sydney and this whole world and I, I was yet to see anything uh, on stage that actually depicted a, an Australia that was familiar to me. You know, I hadn't grown up in the bush, I hadn't, you know, this kind of particular version of Australia that had been depicted by these, you know, great playwrights that had gone before and, and I think what I found when I read The Boys was that all of a sudden it was a world that was familiar to me and a world that we hadn't seen before. We, we hadn't actually seen it before in cinema either. Uh, you know, I think people thought of, of Australia as really a, f you know, comedic, funny place or a real ochre country place. And so here was, you know, Alex with this play that really stood apart. And, you know, I, I can't even think of plays at that point and then films beyond that that, that were its, its forebears. It kind of came along and said we can depict this world and we should investigate this world of, of a suburban world in, in our bigger city. Alex, what was the audience reaction to the boys? The audience reaction very much centred around David Wenham's performance, especially for women in the audience. 
there were many, many performances where I would come down into the foyer and women would gather down there waiting for David to change and come down as the actor because they were very, very frightened of walking out into the cross not knowing that David was not that character. And they often just wanted to have a few words with him to connect as a person and calm down before they walked out of that that venue. Because he was such a a violent character on stage? He has a great talent, uh, David, to, especially with that character, somehow he's able to turn the light off behind his eyes and have an incredible ability to be dead in the eyes. I don't, I've never seen it before. I don't think I've seen it since. And that is a very scary thing when someone loses the, the volatility and the vibrance in their eyes. And I remember the audition process was also quite confronting because I was unsure whether to cast him as Brett in the play between him and um, David Field's age. I was unsure. And I remember he did a fantastic audition and I said, look, his nickname was Daisy. That was his nickname at um, college. <laughs> and I was Jim. Anyway, I said, Daisy, I'm really having struggling with the age thing here. And he just looked me with those dead eyes and said, if I don't play Brett, I'm not in the show. And uh, that sealed that. And the other interesting thing about the auditions <laughs> was Lynette Curran came up to me in the auditions and sat next to me. And she wasn't definitely not going to be in it. She just came to visit me during the audition process to say how important she felt this production was to go on. It had to go on. Mm. And so after about 15 or 20 minutes of gentle discussion, I said, look, Lynette, you know, obviously I think you'd be perfect for the mother. Would you just go centre stage of, of the stables and we'll do a little read of something? She's got a childlike innocence in this kind of woman's body that just was so perfect for that character then. We worked it out and she was part of the cast. So a couple of interesting, interesting people. Mm-hmm. And Jeanette, there was uh, some fairly notable reaction from journalists who saw the play as well. Yeah, we had the, the ABC come in as well and um, there has to be an angle on any, on everything. And can I just say too, one of the things that I love about the play and the film is it kind of exposes the anatomy of violence it's it gives the hatred a logic that mother character is like this onion and she's complicit in all of that stuff and it's so tricky and a a lot of people I spoke to journalists and things were very interested in that because there's this kind of fuzzy area around mum that people just don't know what to make of it but I was talking to a journalist and it was a one of those sort of stand-up interviews in the theatre which we only had a certain amount of time to do And we were talking about, you know, sexual assault and sexual violence and things. And I said something about it and the journalist pretty much asked me whether I'd been sexually assaulted. I just actually called her on it and gave some sort of ambiguous answer because I sort of said, I can't believe you're asking me that. But it was kind of a weird thing of like, oh, well, uh, we can sort of ask anything personal because we're all talking about it was just weird it was weird but it was it became currency Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know again that kind of salaciousness became currency again and i thought what kind of currency is that it is an onion i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah was the stables a place do you think where risks were taken robert look i think 
the way Alex directed the play and the way he created this atmosphere for the actors was quite wonderful creatively, but did invite the actors to kind of step off the ledge a little bit. I think uh, all the men involved in the play did talk a lot about what it was as men to be exploring those deep, profound issues of misogyny and and I think the actors found it very hard to kind of unwind and disconnect from the character after, you know, digging deep. You know, this kind of old adage, I guess, as a, as a performer, that you can't judge the character you're playing, that in order to play a character, you have to actually try to understand them. So you're asking these men to play these, these roles and to kind of try and understand the psychology of them. Uh, I remember feeling that after the production each night that these actors were still kind of deeply embedded in these people that they were playing. And that's not to say that they, w- they didn't return to who they were. It's just that the echo of that into their own life was very clear during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that creative risk um, is why these performers have gone on to have such great careers because they, they, do, they do take those risks. What impact do you think it had on your career, Robert? Look, I think it gave me a kind of sense of a creative life that I could have. You know, it was my first creative job really out of university, uh, working with uh, Alex and the Griffin. And so, you know, I was in my kind of early 20s and, you know, it really gave me a sense that you could do things and you could, and that you could comment on things and that art could, you know, explore things that were important and relevant and the kind of politics of putting on a play like that, the social kind of analysis of it, all of these things rich in what I think in lots of ways theatre does incredibly well today too. You know, its capacity to kind of look at things quite quickly and and quite sharply. Um, so I, I think definitely it was a massive, massive thing for me. You know, probably you know coming out of university as a young man and you know kind of the potential to meander around for a while <laughs> wondering what I was doing I think in, if, if I think about it it was a real gift that uh, that Alex provided this opportunity for me to actually work on something so so significant I mean on, on a personal level too you know I met David Wenham and we became very very close friends and I've made a whole bunch of films with him and even to this day I'm still collaborating with him and you know, it's kind of, I talk to my own kids about this, that, you know, you, you kind of have to treasure the, the people you meet al- along the way and uh, on this creative kind of journey because you don't know, you know, 30 years later, 50 years later, whatever, you're still collaborating and, and sharing your, this creative journey with them. So, so you yeah, know, very, very significant, Angela. If I think in my life, looking back to that production, as, as significant as any creative step in my entire career, really. Mm-hmm. And Alex, what about you? What's your response to that? What impact did, did uh, this play have on your career? Yes. So uh, it really was the first professional directing gig after graduating from NIDA. And I had actually done the development reading the year before. So I'd, it's an interesting parallel to Robert because I did the reading in 89 and then I got into the director's course at NIDA and took, kind of had the script under my arm literally (laughs) and in my head for a year at NIDA. And then I graduated in, you know, January and then I directed the boys in February the next year. 
So again, like Robert has said, it brought a lot of attention to me uh, and to the cast and to everyone involved and to Griffin, which was fantastic. It, uh, everybody in the industry did come and see it and it was a significant leapfrog uh, I think the artistic director of the Sydney Theatre Company, Wayne Harrison, came and we developed a strong bond and I went down to Sydney Theatre Company for probably the next seven to eight years with Wayne. Uh, so yes, incredibly important. And as Robert said, those relationships and even talking you know, now, it's really great to, to revisit the importance of uh, those relation, creative relationships. Mm. And Jeanette, you've had involvement with the with the stables and the Griffin since then, haven't you? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky enough to do lots and lots of um, things at the Griffin, and and of course the boys is like a familiar planet that I'm a satellite around. You know that I've had this opportunity to visit, and David Wenham is crucial in that as well because I was doing a film with David when they were getting ready to do The Boys and that's kind of how I ended up auditioning for the film. So, you know, there that is again. But, yeah, no, I've it's been great to work with, with Griffin over the years, you know. It's been another familiar planet, yeah. And so why do you think it's a special place in your, in your opinion? Well, I mean, just the fact that they do do the work, the new Australian work, the Griffin Theatre Company champions that – and they also were the champion of actors. They used lots of different actors there. So, you know, lots of different people got a gig there, always did. Mm. And, and that was great, you mm. know. Yeah. And so it's still an important theatre in Australia, in oh, your yeah, opinion? absolutely. Alex? I'm, it makes me think of the space. I think yes. that, that, that unique triangular hot, pot, hot spot of space is so dynamic that, you know, your audience, you can see the audience... You have a triangle there that's got some really strong physical spaces and some, you know, you really need to work it. And I just think you're in there, when you're in there with the audience, you're in there for that 90 minutes or two hours and you are really in the show. There's no, it's all about truth and connection and, and actors relating to each other. It's a true actor's space, I, I feel. There's yeah. no hiding <laughs> and Robert, what's your uh, opinion? Do you think that, that it's still a very special and important theatre in Australia? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's, um, yeah, no, w without a doubt, it's very, very significant part of the Australian theatre landscape. It's continued over so many years to champion new works, new talent. Um, it's, it's a testament to, I think what Alex was saying, the kind of value of a the physical space, the unique nature of the physical space. Like I can't imagine the boys uh, kind of being performed in its first productions in in a big cavernous theatre space. Like it was part of its kind of um, visceral pleasure for an audience was that you were sitting, um, sitting there, as Jeanette was saying with the more recent production, you know, just sitting there with everyone, sitting there with the actors right in front of you and... And I and I love the kind of uh, intimacy that 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 offers an audience. Um, no, it's a real triumph over over the years and and the many years to come. I'm sure um, that this this physical space has kind of 
been a magnet for so much talent over so many years and, and so many creative risks and it's a real adventure for a theatre space to go on. I think it's quite, quite extraordinary. But I'd really also like to say thank you to all the people who were involved in that first production and to Griffin because it was an amazing risk on something that was totally kind of quite shocking and uh, and the people involved, all the creative team and the actors in that first production just took it on wholeheartedly and, um, and Griffin were amazing at supporting that. Well, that's lovely. Alex Galeazzi, thank you so much. Jeanette Cronin, thank you so much. And Robert Connolly, thank you very much, all of you, for joining us to uh, celebrate the 50th birthday of Griffin Theatre Company's home, The Stables. Thanks for listening to Griffin's special podcast series where we're celebrating 50 years of the stables. For more anniversary activities, head to Griffin's website, griffintheatre.com.au. Thank you.